Chapter Four, Part Two of Revolted Woman by Charles George Harper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Two of Some Old Time Termagants and Ill Made Matches of Celebrated Men. Turn we now to the unhappy marriages of men of genius, whose careers in literature and art are public property. The instances are so numerous in which men of genius or great mental activity have embittered their lives by marriages which have proved fruitful of discord and strife, that the proposition, should genius be mated, might well be negatived in discussion. Warning examples from Socrates with his shrewish Xantippe to the morose and bearish Thomas Carlyle who rendered his wife's existence miserable with his acerbity and ill-humours are frequent throughout the centuries and sufficient one might think to deter genius from mating with common sense or to binder common sense from running the risks of a life-long companionship with genius and yet artists and literary men musicians and philosophers marry after the repeated failures of their predecessors to secure domestic happiness and women in their ambition to marry men who show evidences of successful careers in intellectual occupations have no hesitancy in risking a martyrdom of mental solitude and loneliness that is certainly less directly painful and agonizing than the fate of those stalwarts who died for conscience sake but which is drawn out indefinitely in years of apparent neglect and obvious aloofness from all the interests of their husbands lives but in considering the unhappy relations that have often existed between the men of genius who have married women of ordinary or less than ordinary mental capacity the indictment must fall far heavier upon the women because as will be shown the active ill-humours and spiteful opposition of their wives have far outweighed the indifference or want of thought of which these men of parts may have been unconsciously guilty in their homes. It is, and has always been, the especial attribute or misfortune of genius that it should be mentally isolated and solitary, impatient of and uncaring for petty domestic details and the sordid cares of housekeeping pegasus is a brute transcended beyond the dray-horse that pounds the earth with vibrant hoofs he soars above the mountain-tops and breathes the rarefied air of the most alpine heights he does not go well in double harness and so has no companion on his journeys the wives of great geniuses of the inspired among poets painters, musicians, or literateurs, cannot accompany them in their exaltations of thought, or help them in technique, nor, to do those ladies the merest justice, have they often essayed the feat, having been, like the wife of Racine, content to regard their husbands as journeymen who earned their living and kept the household going by the production of so much painted canvas or so many written sheets of paper for which incomprehensible people absurdly gave large sums of money racine's wife made it a stupid boast that she had never read a line of her husband's verse 
heine's parisian grisette never attempted to understand her great man's genius and many other wives of genius have remained incapable of understanding the merits or demerits of their husband's work but these comparatively harmless freaks of stupidity and silly lack of appreciation though mortifying to one's vanity were nothing in comparison with such active revolts and exhibitions of termagancy as were indulged in by the wife of young author of the night thoughts who threw her husband's manuscripts on the fire or by dante's wife he had better have remained in celibacy mourning beatrice all his life who gave him some sort of insight to an earthly inferno she had no notion of allowing him to have his own way in anything and he had to account for every sigh which he heaved banishment could not really have harmed him since his wife remained behind sir thomas more was another unhappy benedick if we are to believe the gossips his first marriage was peaceful enough but his second when he married a widow one alice middleton was all strife and contention perhaps he wrote his utopia a fruitful and pleasant work of the best state of a public wheel and of the new isle called utopia as a welcome relief from domestic broils his conscience would not allow him to recognize the validity of henry the eighth's marriage with anne boleyn and he was cast into the tower for his pains presently to be executed on that spot rich in the blood of martyrs for all manner of adequate and inadequate causes tower hill his wife with the essentially jesuitical feminine mind came daily to where he lay in the tower and abused him soundly for not giving in his adherence to the king's wishes thou mightest said she be in thine own house hadst thou but done as others and i am not sure but what she was in the right for life is pleasant and self-preservation the whole duty of man an unruly conscience has been the sole undoing of many a worthy man both before and since the time of sir thomas more they say that shakespeare's was an unhappy wedded life anne hathaway she hath a will she hath a way was twenty-six when he married her while he was but eighteen how eloquent then this excerpt from twelfth night let the woman take an elder than herself so wears she to him so sways she level in her husband's heart for boy however we do praise ourselves our fancies are more giddy and infirm more longing wavering sooner lost and worn than women's are then let thy love be younger than thyself or thy affection cannot hold the bent but do not put too much faith in the biographical value of literary expression nor assume that these views have much bearing upon shakespeare's married life his sonnets breathed love and passion for ladies dark or fair and very various but then twas his trade to assume what he did not feel and to trick it out in glowing pages of dainty poesy 
i for one would not regard them nor their like as arguments or evidence in favour of divorce so in all charity to sweet will let us scout the suggestion of a writer who wrote some years since on the unhappy marriages of men of genius even as i do here that we have the internal evidence of his sonnets that he was not a faithful husband we had far better keep to the scanty facts which have come down to us respecting shakespeare's life we know for instance that he left Stratford-on-Avon and settled in London but four years after his marriage. It cannot be said with certainty whether or not his wife came up with him from Warwickshire, but it is likely enough that she did not. And yet can we reasonably blame anyone less impersonal than Thalia or Melpomene for his leaving his wife behind him in that old town beside the Avon? I would suppose that Anne Hathaway was uncongenial to him in so far that, and because she had no sort of appreciation of, nor any love of, the medium of words in which her husband worked. It was not until he had reached his forty-eighth year that Shakespeare returned to his native town. He lived there with his wife and his daughter, Judith, for four years, and then died dryden's wife must have been no less than carlyle gay ill to live with he married in his thirty-third year the lady eliza howard daughter of the earl of berkshire a woman whose intellect was as cloudy as her reputation and whose violence oft-times caused the poet to wish her dead he wrote an epitaph in anticipation of that consummation he most devoutly wished but she survived him and singularly enough the epitaph which was never used has survived them both to the present day he said here lies my wife here let her lie now she's at rest and so am i and so they are witcherly too had his connubial infelicities he married the widowed countess of drogheda whom macaulay describes as ill-tempered imperious and extravagantly jealous nothing is more likely than that she had due cause for jealousy for witcherly was no saint but she managed to keep him under restraint and only permitted him to meet his cronies under her surveillance that is he was suffered to entertain his fellow dramatists in a room of the tavern that stood opposite their house whence she could observe him through the open windows and assure herself that no woman was of the company witcherly had doubtless himself to blame for this espionage and suspicion but jealousy is perhaps as frequently unfounded as deserved Berlioz, for instance, who married the charming Henrietta Smithson, an Irish operatic singer, was driven, through his wife's unreasonable jealousy, to elope with the first pretty girl he met. He had been madly infatuated with her, and she seems to have wed him, not from affection, but because of his importunity and even so she did not comply until after an accident had unfitted her for the stage and she was fain to retire 
but indifference changed to an acute jealousy after marriage she so wearied the musician with her baseless suspicions that at last he felt the absurdity of bearing the odium of sin without having experienced its pleasures so one fine day he packed a portmanteau and sped to brussels in company with another to speak in the manner of the lady novelists comte the founder of the positivist religion and the defender of marriage led a wretched married life hooker the judicious seems not to have deserved that epithet in so far as his choice of a domestic tyrant was concerned sir richard steele should not have married a second time he might have known that the good fortune of his first choice militated against the chance of equal luck on another occasion montaigne good soul declared that he would not marry again after his untoward experiences no not if he had the choice of wisdom incarnate man who has once been wed deserves the consolations of heaven according to the story in which a soul masculine comes to the gates of paradise and knocks peter catechizes him but finds his record inadequate and is about to turn him away stay though says the saint have you been married yes replies the soul enter then rejoins the janitor compassionately you have deserved much from your sufferings on earth ah cries the spirit enlarging upon its claims to present bliss from past ills i have been married twice twice shouts peter indignantly away with you paradise is not for fools how little then did milton deserve the paradise of which he wrote for he was married no less than three times and that too after the unpleasant experiences of his first alliance mary powell his first wife was a shrew she was the daughter of an oxfordshire royalist and disgusted and alarmed at the severity with which milton who was then a dominie treated the boys under his charge she left him after the honeymoon and returned home for three years she kept apart paying no attention to his requests for her to return and she only rejoined him after naseby when the royalist hopes being shattered it seemed advisable that she and her people should seek the shelter that the roof of so uncompromising a puritan afforded he received her and for the remaining fifteen years she made his life miserable addison made a great social triumph for eighteenth-century literature when he married the widowed countess of warwick but in doing so he sowed the whirlwind for his own reaping her arrogance was monumental and she made her stately house at kensington so unbearable to him that he was used to fly her presence and take refuge in a little country tavern that stood in those days on the high road to london at the corner of a lane which is now the earl's court road domestic strife drove him to the bottle and the spectator died like a christian indeed but with an intellect clouded by drink in more recent times the marriages of byron
bulwer-lytton and dickens were notoriously unhappy but certainly these three men of genius must have been almost insufferable husbands dickens had as good a conceit of himself as ever scott desired or prayed for and genius that can usurp the functions of the critics and calculate the candle power of its effulgence to a ray more or less must needs be intolerable either at the club or in the home byron took advantage of that independence of moral laws which is supposed to be the especial attribute of genius and indeed although one need not have any absurd prejudices in favour of morality he was but a sordid scamp with a bee in his bonnet and a fluent facile gift of versification his person his title and above all his reputation for immorality made his fame and sold his works and what unholy trinity more powerful than this for popularity bulwer-lytton was an odious fellow a curled darling jewelled scented and self-centred he wrote presumably of himself clever men as a rule do choose the oddest wives the cleverer a man is the more easily i believe a woman can take him in that doubtless was a piece of special pleading on behalf of his own extreme cleverness for he was the victim of a virago who was the more terrible for being a little less than sane and more than eccentric he bought her off with an annuity of four hundred pounds but lawsuits directed against him afforded a spice to her life and persecutions in the form of novels written with a purpose the purpose of abusing him and of public altercations rendered lytton's marriage with rosina wheeler one of the most bitterly regretted actions of his life there were faults on both sides to adopt the saying of the gossips he was irritable and violent and she was violent and irritable nor was she readily put aside for years after their separation she never wearied of drawing attention to her wrongs and it was in eighteen fifty eight during lytton's candidature for hartford that she appeared before the hustings on which he was preparing to address the free and enlightened voters and burst upon his vision an excited female dressed in yellow satin and flourishing an umbrella while she denounced him at the top of her voice as a perjured villain she was no meek and uncomplaining martyr she proclaimed her wrongs urbi et orbi and compelled attention had coleridge such a wife his digestion would have been a great deal more disordered than it was used to be in the conjugal difficulties that led him to leave his home had romney been wed to so strenuous a shrew he had not deserted his wife for over thirty years without some public scandal and had tommy moore espoused any but the most easy-going and long-suffering of wives his amorous verse would have purchased him many a wigging i warrant that modern anacreon wrote a poem on the origin of woman which would have been impossible to the uxorious 
and is sufficient to set the modern woman shrieking with indignation and yet the women of his time delighted in his society those verses are for some unexplained reason not to be found in the later editions of his works in them he versifies the rabbinical theory of woman's origin that adam had a tail and it was cut off to make eve this legend may be found by those who understand hebrew and would like to read the original version in the talmud but these are moore's lines they tell us that woman was made of a rib just picked from a corner so snug in the side but the rabbins swear to you that this is a fib and twas not so at all that the sex was supplied the old adam was fashioned the first of his kind with a tail like a monkey full yard and a span and when nature cut off this appendage behind why then woman was made of the tail of the man if such is the tie between women and men the ninny who weds is a pitiful elf for he takes to his tail like an idiot again and makes a most damnable ape of himself yet if we may judge as the fashion prevails every husband remembers the original plan and knowing his wife is no more than his tail why he leaves her behind him as much as he can and certainly more left his wife as much as possible while he hobnobbed with princes and was the lion of london salons but search the ranks of married men who have achieved fame and few shall you find who found and wed their affinity affinities it should seem are rare when once you come to brains of more than ordinary calibre your dull dog more readily finds his match than wits or witlings and the community of the commonplace is an easier consummation than the happy combination of the unconventional end of part two of chapter four End of chapter 4